It is day seven of the Australian Open. Welcome to TC Live as we entertain you for the next two hours leading up to first ball in Melbourne. There's a saying, don't worry about the world coming to an end today. It is already tomorrow in Australia. But while life will go on, the third round will not. That ends tonight. So how many tomorrows will exist for the players in Melbourne? Here's what's on the way. The teen dreams continue down under. From Coco Golf to a miraculous comeback. See how Gen Z has brought their A game and who could glow up today. Plus, the defending champs getting better and better. Hear from Novak Djokovic and see what Arena Sabalenka did for the first time as they enter week two. And before throwing touchdowns, this NFL superstar was given the stiff arm to a young Andy Roddick on the tennis court. A story you don't want to miss. We are serving up our ace team one more time as John Isner runs it back on TC Live on this Friday in the States, Saturday down under. Our featured matches today as we wrap up the third round. We've got American Emma Navarro first up in John Kane Arena against Diana Yastremska. Tommy Paul leads off play in MCA. Carlos Alcaraz takes on the first player younger than him since juniors in Jerry Shang. How about Iga Sviantek kicking off the night session in Rod Laver Arena, followed by Alex Mickelson and Sasha Zverev. Looking forward to that. The teenage American back in action. Here's Diana Yastremska coming on site. She's had a great fortnight thus far. Hey, Diana. Doing well. Yeah, a lot of love, a lot of love. Took out Marketa Vondrosova, qualified for this event. Five straight wins for her. And then Emma Navarro all uh, bundled up there, making her Australian Open debut. Career best seven-match win streak. She's got ten wins on the season. The only woman with double-digit wins this year. And looking forward to that matchup later tonight. As we welcome you back into our studios, great to have you here with us. Steve Weissman, Big John Isner, back in the saddle. We've got the Hall of Famer, Martina Navratilova, Lindsey Davenport, John Wertheim as well. Day two for Big John. He came back. That's a good sign. He came back. back. (laughs) I had a lot of fun with you guys yesterday. Punch the clock. Wait, what would you hear from all your friends? A lot of text messages? Uh, You know, my friends (laughs) like to make fun of me, so they're not going to say anything nice. Oh, really? But I had fun. I hope I did all right. And we'll see if I can improve on day three. You're we're back. You were always welcome with us here. So day two for John. However, uh, there was a little foreshadowing back in the day. We flashback. Take a listen to this, what John Isner had to say. I could see myself uh, doing some TV. How much? I don't know. I think I could be okay at it. Maybe not. But I'd like to, I'd like to uh, certainly give it my best shot. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. And here you are. Great foreshadowing. <laughs> Forgot about that. You didn't know that was popping up. Dreams come true. Dreams do come <laughs> true. And here I am. Amazing. Martina, what did you think? You gave him some advice yesterday. He knocked it out. Uh, Martina's on mute. You got unmute. Unfortunately, can't hear Martina. We gotta fix that. <laughs> we need Martina. Yeah. Come she, on, Martina. The, the there we go. She's back. Yeah. yeah. I, yes. I, I was that doing too, this, just giving John a hard time, and uh, you know he did a great job yesterday. It looks like he's been doing it for a while, not the not, not the first time. So anytime you want to come on the set with us, John, you're welcome. Oh, thank you, Martina. You should have heard what she was saying about you when she was on mute. <laughs> exactly. exactly. She turned that she was on really mute. fast. So far, no microphone issues with you. So you're, you're yes, that's right. One and no hot mics just yet. <laughs> All right, let's get you to the headlines of what happened overnight in Melbourne. Arena Sabalenka. My goodness, how dominant was she? We'll talk about that. Coco Goff, Amanda Anasimova, Taylor Fritz, they are moving on into week two, and we've got more Americans in action today. 
We talked about Emma Navarro. How about Sloane Stevens, Alex Mickelson, Tommy Paul as well. So looking forward to seeing the red, white, and blue show out once again in Australia. Uh, Lindsay, what's been the biggest story for you? Oh, Steve, you know that's what I always follow during these majors is how are the Americans doing? Well, we have seven left total. We've got four on the women's side. We're down to just three on the men's side with Taylor Fritz already getting through. We'll see Tommy Paul and Alex Mickelson in action later today. But i got to say, I don't hold out a whole lot of hope for an American male champion this year, but uh, feeling pretty confident on the women's side. Gosh, Coco has looked great. She's impressed. And I think we have an outside chance on that top side of the draw to get another American through. Got to see how the draw plays out, but we've got Emma Navarro. We've mm -hmm. got Sloane Stevens. we still got a lot of opportunities left. All right, looking forward. As long as they're still in the draw? There's a chance. Yeah, okay. Right? Good point. Uh, John, I know you were staying up, what, till like 3, 4 a.m. watching totally. Ben Shelton last night? Totally. What did you think of that? Love Ben. <laughs> you know, I'm a huge Florida Gators fan, as you totally. know. Yeah, for no, sure. Not exactly. But, no, no I, of course, we would not watch that match live. We we brushed on it yesterday. Mm -hmm. We, I think we all thought that, that Ben had the upper hand in that match, going against someone a bit older who had also already played two five-set matches. So we thought Ben had a lot of things going for him in that regard. But we also mentioned the fact that he doesn't have such a great record against left-handers, yeah. and he lost his only previous meeting against Manorito, and it was a tight tussle, as we know. And that dude has come through in three consecutive five-set wins. Very, very impressive. It, it really, Adrian Manorino, he's cool as a cucumber, as, as you would call somebody, yeah. like, like Tom Fall. <laughs> uh, Mar Martina, what, what, what's the biggest story for you? Oh, for me, it's a nice balance in the women's side and the draw. We have the old-timers, Vitalina Azarenka and uh, Sloane Stevens. We have the, the, the big three are still there, of course, Coco, uh, Iga, and Arena. And then some newbies as well, Noskova, Navarro, Timofeeva, and, of course, Andreeva. So it's a nice balance of generations and, and uh, former champions and comeback, uh, comebacks, Anisimova as well. So, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a nice balance, I think. From millennials yeah. to Gen Z. No Gen Alpha yet. They're, they're still what on their Gen way. What is Gen Alpha? I think it's like 12 and under. Oh, wow. You've got some Gen Alphas oh, at home. Okay, okay. <laughs> Wait, see, how no do you not know that Gen Alphas? John's got no, Gen Alphas. I have them. I have four of them, obviously, but I didn't know that was a thing. Exactly. Now I know. Yeah, the, the generations don't stop. Okay. And, okay. You know, I don't know what any of the cool words are anymore. <laughs> so uh, I, got, I got a random one, sort of a big picture one. But uh, 15 years ago at Wimbledon, Farrah Fawcett, not a Gen Alpha. Uh, she <laughs> passed away. You may have forgotten that. Why? Because it was the same day that Michael Jackson passed away. Why am I bringing that up? These accidents of timing, I think, really impact tennis tournaments, too. And there's sometimes there are these results. And wait, Holger Runa lost? Oh, yeah, that's because there was a women's match going on in which there were 14 match points in the match tiebreak. Uh, we look at results from Anna Anasimova is in week two. Uh, great for Amanda. We didn't talk about that. Why? Because there was a, you know, there, there was a Fritz match going on. I just, for, if you're a tennis fan, check the draws because it's very easy, much in the manner of Farrah Fawcett, it's much in, very easy for results to be obscured by, by clashing timing. Yeah, I mean, so much has been going on. I thought you were bringing the show down for a second with all this death, and I was just oh, like, I bring didn't know it. where he was going. I know. That's, that's <laughs> misdirection. That's I like it. Took a well done there. Yeah. Well done. I didn't know where you were going with no, it. No, exactly. Wrapped it up Can we bring beautifully. That back? We very, very good. Our storyteller. Right. Greatest journalist oh, you know, yeah. very going good. on. So. Very good. All right, a lot to get to on TC Live today. We will have all the highlights for you. Of course, Jim Courier is going to join the program later in the show. Chanda Rubin as well. Alex Mickelson. Ooh, big match. Walking in, hat backwards. He, he looks pretty cool as Biggest well. match of he his life coming up so Huge. Far. Very yeah. relaxed. Let's go, Alex. See if he can take out Sasha Zverev. We'll preview that one later. Slow.
Sloane's got all the exercises, what's, right, what's John? On the back of her, uh, it looks like she went to a sorority party for the Alpha <laughs> Alpha Spring Formal. What is that with? <laughs> that I, I think a Sigma Chi Derby days. Yeah, maybe? what's going on here? Um, but nice, nice tournament for Sloane so far. Yeah, got, got the two medicine balls going on there. You saw her catching them behind her the other day. She's got everything. Love to see that from Sloane. When we come back, we will break down the biggest stories. Look ahead to today's action. It is all happening on TC Live at the Australian Open. Stay with us. Kisses to all. TC Live at the Australian Open is brought to you in part by Bet365, the world's favorite sports book. By Tennis Express, we deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today. And by National Car Rental. Go national. Go like a pro. Welcome back. Martina, Lindsay, John, John, Steve back with you. A reminder, TC Live comes your way 5 Eastern every day to get you ready for first ball. Then you've got two chances to see Tennis Channel's awesome encore coverage with Brett Haber and Paul Anico, and you do not want to miss that. Well, last year, Arena Sabalenka came to Australia, achieved a lifelong dream, winning a Grand Slam singles title. She overcame all of her serving woes from the previous year to lift the trophy and eventually get to number one in the world. Massive moment for Sabalenka. She looks even more focused this year, Martina. Sabalenka hadn't dropped a set coming into her third round match with Lesia Serenko. She decided not to drop a game. No serving issues whatsoever. Zero aces, zero double faults. I'll give you a funny statistic. Serenko won 12 out of 39 points on her own serve and 12 out of 39 points on Sabalenka's serve. It all added up to absolutely bupkis. She did not win a game, did not have a break point. Sabalenka dominated all the way, uh, winning, uh, hitting 16 winners, nine unforced. It was over before you could blink. As Sabalenka was firing on all cylinders, I think it was like 40-something minutes. It was, um, yeah, that was classic Sabalenka. She is looking sharp. She looks ready to defend her title. First double bagel on tour for Arena Sabalenka as we take a look at the scores that she's been bringing. I mean, uh, not dropping games, Lindsay. Well, she almost had a double bagel, as we were talking about in the first round. And yeah. It almost seemed to me that she gave that game away on purpose. <laughs> I swear, in the really? first round. And then Fruvertova able to win five games, but then she was not feeling very generous against Serenko. She has looked great. She loves playing down here. It's always interesting to see a player return back to the side of their first big win, and Sabalenka's handling it well. She's won 10 straight at this event. Coco trying to win 10 in a row at Majors, Lindsay, also looking to carve up. Yeah. Playing her childhood friend. I impressive performance. There was two games in the first set. Parks served one at 40-love and another at 40-15, got broken in both. We talk about Parks being such a big server. In total, won only 41% of all service points, and Goff was sensational. Dropped back to make a lot of returns. She used her speed. It was all about, I'm going to put every single ball I can back into play. The power of Parks didn't bother her, and Coco won easily. Only dropped three points on her first serve. Went five for five on break points. Stays undefeated this year. Hasn't dropped a set on her way to the fourth round. Casey Delacqua with Coco Golf. You must be pleased to be into the fourth round again. Yeah, I'm really happy with how I played today. Um, you know, the scoreline says different. She's a tough player. She's the ball big. And uh, I've known her since I was like nine or eight years old, probably even younger than that. So uh, our first time ever playing um, juniors or pro, this is the first time. So hopefully we can have many more matches in the future. 
She wrote, be happy, smile on the camera after. We love those positive vibes, Martina. And, and Coco has lots of reasons to smile. What stood out to you? I just how at ease she was with herself. I thought she would feel the pressure of playing somebody, you know, up and coming uh, from her own generation, uh, her age, and, uh, and, and an American, a lot of pressure that way. But she just looked as cool as could be. She was a cool cucumber, as, uh, as John said. Um, yeah, just uh, she, she played very defensively. Alicia Parks was going for it. She hit, what is it, uh, like the 34, 11 winners, but 34 unforcers. Coco, only four winners, eight unforced. She was playing passively, but it worked. She was keeping the ball in play and, and making uh, making uh, Parks miss. And that's kind of what, she, what, what her default game is now, and it works. John, she's so fast. We, we talked about the fact that it could have been a tricky matchup for her, playing somebody that she knows, a fellow American. So in terms of coming through that, how tough is that? It is tough. Uh, playing your friend is never easy, especially in a big stage like a Grand mm. Slam. But I think it was good that they played in the third round. They, they, both players sort of got their, their butterflies out in the first two rounds. And look, Coco coming into this tournament with a lot of confidence. She won Auckland. She's off a Grand Slam win in the U.S. Open. She was a heavy favorite in this match, and she played like it. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, if there were any friction there, Coco didn't show it at all. I mean, there was no sort of extra level of discernible intensity playing another American. I also think, overall, nice event for Alicia Parks, right? She won some matches. We saw her game. She could win a three-setter. And then she now leaves also knowing, look, there's some work I need to do if I want to get to that very, very top level. So, yeah, one of the great servers in women's tennis, and she held serve twice at the same time, got to the third round, and now she can get on with her season. Yeah, nice moment at the end where Goff told her, next time we're going to meet in the finals. Yeah. These two have yeah. known each other for a long time. But as John said, it was a great tournament for Alicia Parks to get through to the third round. We talked about how she was decided between dropping down and playing lower-level tournaments, decided to go for it, trained big on the offseason. It paid off. You got to be. She's, you know she's disappointed. She didn't play the style of, and the level of tennis she wanted to. So much was due to Coco, her speed, her consistency, and I think her awareness now that I can win matches a couple of different ways. So on any given day, I'm going to play whatever way I need yeah. to to win easily, and she was able to do that. Yeah, good signs for Alicia Parks, great signs yeah. for yeah. Coco Goff looking to make the quarterfinals for the first time at the Australian Open. Let's go to the men's side where Novak Djokovic... John Isner, just, he sets records all the time. 100th career match in Melbourne. Now the only men's player in the open era to do that at all four majors. Could he get to 101? I think he could. And we, we pre kind of predicted this, uh, this result. We knew it was going to be tough. Echeverry came into this match playing very, very well. But this is a perfect test, in my estimation, for Djokovic after playing four sets his first two rounds to get, a, get through a tough three-set win. Mm. I think was uh, was very, very uh, important for him. We see him, this is what he does, one all, break point, return winner. He's the best of all time. He's the best returner of all time. And he, uh, he took control, winning the first two sets extremely uh, in, in easy fashion, I, I should say. But the third set went to a tiebreaker. And we all know that Djokovic's tiebreak record in the last couple years at Grand Slams is completely absurd. Uh, <laughs> no one can beat him in tiebreakers, and Echeverry could not do that as well. Djokovic came through, came through uh, with, with all the goods, easy tiebreak win, perfect result for him. 3-3-6, three, three, and six. he's moving on in the fourth round. 31 straight matches won, 10 aces, 34 winners. One more than 85% of his points on the first serve. That's something we've talked about as well, him improving his serve. 
He said it was his best performance of the tournament, Lindsay. Do you agree with that? Yeah. I, I, for whatever the reason, the first two rounds, we're not used to seeing him have to play four sets or four hours, and he was a little bit under the weather. He was dealing with a wrist injury. He's very comfortable also in these conditions. I read a stat he hasn't played a day match at <laughs> Rod Laver Arena since 2021 second round. So he knows he wants to play at night. The tournament switches to the night sessions the second week. So he's like, from the beginning, I want to play at night. This is what the conditions are if I'm going to win this tournament. Do not put me during the day. And he has found his comfort zone there at Rod Laver Arena. Craig Talley's like, okay. Yep. <laughs> Martina. Star. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it seems to me that Novak either his injuries were not as bad as we think they were, or I want his DNA because he there was no shaking of the hand. The cold is gone. I mean, the guy looks like he's on his deathbed, and next thing you know, he wins the tournament. So, yeah, I think his recovery of powers are amazing, and uh, he played his best tennis yesterday, got off to a quick start, and he keeps getting better and better, and that's a pretty scary thought for the rest of the field. If, if we could all just sleep in cryo chambers every yeah. night, I mean, we'd be better, <laughs> right? He does, he does it all. I mean, there, he takes his recovery very seriously, as we know. We talked about that again yesterday. Maybe he had a little cold. Maybe he had a little bit of a wrist injury. Seems to be over his cold. And as all the best players do, they start playing better as the tournament progresses. Yep. Uh, we probably still have not even seen the best Novak Djokovic yet. That is still to come. Yannick Sinner, though, he's looked pretty good, John. Uh, coming out on fire. Best performance yet for him against Sebastian Baez. Yeah, talk about one guy who has not had hiccups so far this tournament. Hasn't dropped a set. The only remaining male that goes for. Boy, was he in sort of pain sponge mode yesterday. Little succession reference for John Isner. Baez is a nice player. You know, there's a battle of two seeds, but just not much of a match yesterday. Baez on hard court is not the player he is on play. And boy, did we get the full center. Look at his length. I mean, he's winning a lot of these points with just clean, crisp, powerful ball striking, but also watch his length. Look at that. Helps to be six foot four or six foot five, as, uh, as John knows. And this was just a pretty breezy match. Look, you play Two sets and you give up one game, things are going well. Finishes it out. 34 winners, 27 unforced errors. Breezing into week two center. 16 and 1 now in his last 17 matches dating back to last year. How about 22 and 2 since the U.S. Open? Keep your eyes on the Italian. Still to come, it's a miracle. Mira Andreeva continues to turn Melbourne Park into her magic kingdom. See how the teenager came back from the brink to reach the Sweet 16. Welcome back to TC Live at the Australian Open. It is the weekend in Melbourne. Almost to that second Sunday, three Sundays this year at the Australian Open. 16-year-old Mira Andrieva coming off the biggest win of her life against Ange Jabeur. Lindsay facing Diane Perry. Talk about a comeback for the ages. We go straight to the third. Yeah, it was 5-1 for Perry. And all of a sudden, Andrieva settled down, started to get more consistent. And, Steve, you could see the fear in Perry's eyes. Some comebacks are all about the player playing so well and others about the player in the winning position freezing. Diane Perry froze. And Mira Andrieva, smart enough at this young age to realize that, she got so consistent, started moving her shots around the court. Perry, who was struggling with nerves, seemed to find a, have a harder time moving around the court. Andreeva got the crowd going as well. That is huge for a 16-year-old. She had them at the end, cheering every single point she won. And she was able to claw her way back into this match. And this will be a tough match for Perry, who had a match point. 
and didn't get it done, but a lot of composure. And what a change for Andreva just one year from when we saw her sobbing here at this same tournament in the junior girls division. <laughs> she gets through, Steve. Fights all the way back to reach the second week of a slam for the second time in her career. Incredible stuff from the 16-year-old. One person watching this match, by the way, was that beautiful face that she loves, Andy Murray. And he tweeted support after criticizing a commentator for questioning the teenager's mental strength. Said maybe the reason she turned the match around was because of her mental strength. Maybe she turned it around because she's hard on herself and demands more of herself when she's losing or playing badly. Winner. Love to see that from Andy Murray. And when Mira heard about that, she said, honestly, I'm going to try and print it out, <laughs> put it in a frame, and bring it everywhere yeah. with me. I mean, it's, it's precocious, whatever. She's an amazing player and, and got a great personality off it. Martina, what do you think of her mental strength and what she showed out there? Her fighting spirit, that was clear at Wimbledon last year. She just would not give up on any point at any situation. So that fighting spirit, that carries you through when everything else fails, and that's what carried her through in this match. So love it that she didn't give up. She, I think she'll learn to be nicer to herself. It's, it's champions are perfectionists, and they learn to uh, kind of just strive for excellence rather than perfection. So hopefully that's a lesson she will learn. But love it that her spirit has spunk in her game. Awesome. There was, there was spirit, and there was spunk, and there was also tactics. I mean, she saw what was going on on the other side of that. She was well aware that the opponent was starting to lose the plot a little. You saw, even in those highlights, you saw some drop shots. She has a really high tennis IQ because we must, by, like, fatwa, we have to give some sort of historical answer. Is, it, is this Martina Hingis, Tracy Austin? Who, who are you seeing here? Well, it's interesting. She talks a lot about Martina Hingis being such a huge idol for her and looking up to her. Um, she's, I think that she's got a little bit of a lot of different players in her, and that's what makes her so special at such a young age. She's smart, though. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Only four players have made the fourth round of both Wimbledon and the Australian Open before turning 17. One of those four is Martina Hingis. Do you see a little Hingis in the Andrieva spirit? Absolutely. I mean, she's showing some serious poise uh, beyond her years, and it's very impressive to come back from 5-1 in the third. I think at maybe 5-3 in the third set, you can maybe see the writing on the wall a little bit. She started getting all the momentum. She got the, the break at 5-3, made it 5-4, of course, held serve to get to 5-all. And then when he gets to the tiebreaker, you had to favor her big time. Right. And Which, that's exactly what happened. And she also, she had a chance to serve it out. So yeah. she wins five games in a row. She gets the 6-5 to serve, gets broken, and then resets and wins in a match tiebreak. I thought that was, in, in a weird <laughs> way, that was not beating Ansgar 0-2, but in a weird way, that was almost just mm. as impressive a win. I, I totally agree with you. But the biggest win for her, getting a tweet from Andy Murray. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at 16, she's like, oh, my God. I'm like, going to carry that around for her. I, well, he did jinx. Uh, Carolyn Garcia. Exactly, when she played Sharapova. Remember the, the, <laughs> well, uh, Roland Garros years ago? Yeah. Still a chance. Right. Yeah, so hopefully we didn't just jinx Andreva. No, just mental strength, right? Yeah, I hope so. Okay. <laughs> Andy, you're, you're, you're good. Let's go to the guys. Stefano Tsitsipas. Uh, he dropped the first set in rounds one and two. Said he needed a passionate Steph straight from the beginning, Martina. That was bad news for the young Frenchman, Luca Van Asha. Yes, uh, I think... Uh, Sissipa just did not want to lose that first set and get behind. Aisha is a tough customer. He's an up-and-comer that we will be seeing in the future. And uh, Sissipa's really turned it on this point, just like Jimmy Connors against Paul Harhouse at the, at the US Open. He returns like four overheads, runs this ball down, and making Van Aisha miss. And that turned that set around. That set him up, uh, and he only lost one more game the rest of the way. 
as he got the crowd on his side and uh, feeling it in every way, running this ball down, getting it past, past Chris and served it out nicely at 5-4. So that was, a, that was a great comeback in the in the third set and a fantastic point. And uh, yeah, just looks really solid. He's getting better. Better and better. Fourth round for a fifth time in Melbourne. 36 winners, 12 aces. Who's he going to play next? The winner of this match, John, between Taylor Fritz and Fabian Marjan. The Hungarian pulled off some big upsets last year. He absolutely did. We know he beat Alcaraz in, in Rome. This was a very good match from Taylor. You know, he got through his first-round match in five sets, and it, it appeared to have maybe tweaked his ankle in that, in that first match, but showing no ill effects of that. Um, had a comprehensive win in his, in his second match. And look, he played very, very solid in these uh, last three sets. After dropping the first, it was one-way traffic. There's no doubt about it. Taylor's playing fantastic. As we know, he plays a lot, right? And he did play the United Cup. And, but after he did not play the, the week before the Aussie Open, maybe took a little bit of time off, used it as a little bit of a training block, and I think it was a good idea. So he seems to be very, very fresh right now, playing extremely well. And he plays Sitsipas, who I believe he played two years ago yep. in this same tournament. So that's going to be a blockbuster clash in the round of 16. It's exactly what the draw predicted, and it's coming to fruition. Hopefully no holes in his shoes in that match. The way he slides, it's crazy. Uh, we didn't show the pictures of that, but look it up. Uh, meantime, Seb Korda taking on Andre Rublev. Russian won both of their previous meetings in straight sets. Worth time, and uh, we thought this was going to be closer. Yeah, uh, Rublev had won four sets on hard courts against Korda, and now it is seven. This was peak Rublev. We said Korda had to serve well in this match. He didn't serve badly, 18 aces, but you know who served really well with Rublev. Hitting his spots, 83% of his first serve points. One, look at this. He got a little lucky there, but nice combination of uh, of skill and placement. This was in a second set breaker. This was sort of court as sniff. Look, look at the score bug. It's five all here, so you know we're only two points away from the set point. Quarter comes in and zoop, threads the needle. Does Rublev window closed? Rublev wins that second set in a breaker and then breaks and sort of. Rides home. Rublev, what have we said about him? Six of the last seven majors. He's been to a quarter but hasn't made a semi. Well, you got to win the third round to get to a semi. I've seen a lot of that gesture. Nice straight set win. Stays perfect in 2024. Not a lot of people are talking about Andre Rublev. He's 7 0. Gets Alex Demonor next as we take a look at the Sweet 16 in this portion of the draw. Favorite matchup, isn't it? Well, this is almost all chalk. Yeah. Besides Manorino <laughs> yeah. being the 20 seed. Uh, this is like you fill out an NCAA bracket. You just take the higher seed. The best players have advanced so far. This is a tough section of the draw. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Sinner, Kachanov, Kachanov made the semifinals last year. Rublev, Diebenauer, two of the arguably the, the hottest players on tour right now. Uh, Rublev winning Hong Kong and Diebenauer playing great in the United Cup. Looking forward to all of those fourth-round matchups. Looking forward to a lot more still to come here on TC Live. Jim Courier joins the program, and we're going to talk Carlos Alcaraz, Iga Fiantek, all the stars. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to TC Live as we lead you up to first ball on day seven of the Australian Open. Back in our studios, I'm Steve Weissman, and the Aussie Open isn't the only title Coco Golf is looking to win. She's been nominated for Athlete of the Year in the People's Choice Awards. Coco is up against the likes of LeBron James, Leo Messi, and Simone Biles, so go vote for Coco. 
For more stories like that, make Tennis.com your online information source throughout the Australian Open and the entire 2024 season. Ed McGrogan, Steve Tigner, Matt Fitzgerald, Leah Davidoff, David Kane, Stephanie Lividay, Peter Bodo, Zachary Cohen, and more. They all have you covered with incredible stories. Download the tennis app or visit the website. It is now time for the Daily Forecast with Fox Weather. Hey, good day, tennis fans. I'm Fox Weather meteorologist Ian Oliver, and here is today's Australian Open forecast. Great look for some Grand Slam tennis. We do have some cloud cover around temperatures. Those will climb up to around 80 degrees or, or just a little better. Remember, you can download the Fox Weather app or stream Fox Weather from your favorite connected TV device. Always on, always free. See you there. Thanks so much. Still to come, we've got the latest update on former Australian Open finalist Jenny Brady, plus more highlights, including Americans Amanda Anasimova and Sebi Korda. And our Bet365 match preview focuses on Sasha Zverev and Alex Mickelson. But first, we tackle an old rivalry between a couple sports legends. Super Bowl winning quarterback Drew Brees tells us about the days when he played junior tennis against Andy Roddick. You don't want to miss this. Welcome back in studio. The gang back with you here. And listen, you, you, we were talking in the green room about the football matchups this week. We love when we can put tennis and football together, right? Absolutely do. Yes, yeah, it's right? playoff season. It's playoff season, and we're in major season, Lindsay. Yep. And we can do that because Drew Brees, he was actually good on, on the grass in football, but he was good on the red clay as well. And we're going to bring in our good friend Andy Roddick because we miss Andy. And there's Drew and, and Andy with the dog tags. This was back in the day. They played each other in junior tennis. Drew Brees now playing some pickleball. He's playing the celebrity circuit. And he talked about his old youth rivalry with Roddick to Pickleball TV's Matt Manassi. Take a listen. What's up, man? What's up, brother? How you doing? Great. You? Good to see you, man. You ready? Oh, yeah. Roddick, Roddick was a guy that I, I played against, a ton of youth tennis against. Both of us are growing up in Austin, Texas. I see he's gotten into it. Yeah, so what's, what's the, you, you brought it up, so I'll ask the question here. What's the official story? Everyone says Drew Brees beat Andy Roddick in juniors. You're 44. He's 41. What's the, <laughs> so obviously so there was saying, an age I was, gap. I was, I was picking on a little kid. That's basically what I was doing. Wait, so, so how, how old were you? How old was he at the time? And then yeah. where did you guys play? So... I, re I remember playing Roddick four times as a kid. Now, he was such a, a phenom that he would always play in the division up. Okay. So when he was eight years old, he was playing in the 10-year-old tournaments. When he was nine, he was playing in the 12-year-old tournaments, right? He was always playing a level up because he was just that good. I remember playing him for the first time, and he was maybe eight, I was 10, and he was this tiny kid who had exceptional skills like exceptional right. skills. He was so much he was so much fundamentally better than me. Right. But I was a bit older, probably a little bit stronger, <laughs> right. maybe a little bit uh, more mature. And and so I was able to beat him that first game. And then we, we 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 played a second time, I think in the finals of another local tournament, and I was able to beat him again. Third time, beat him again, but it was getting closer and closer. You know, it was one of those things where he's getting older, he's probably getting pissed off. Right, exactly. And then the fourth and final time we played, 
was in the finals of a tournament, he beat me. So we were always meeting in either the semifinals right. or the finals of these local tournaments, whether it was being played in Austin, Waco, Dallas, Texas. Right. And have uh, you seen, have I, you I think seen at that it? point I knew the, traje the trajectory of his his <laughs> career in tennis, and maybe I was uh, on my way out. But uh, makes for a fun story. Now listen, I, I talked to Roddick this morning. He said the city of New Orleans owes him a debt of gratitude. When I finally beat him, he was so upset that he quit the sport. <laughs> That's what, do you, <laughs> what, what do you make of that? The fact that That's they a, beat him back in the day. It's a really cool story. I mean, Drew Brees, incredible athlete. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me. But also, when you're three years older than someone in the 1200s and 1400s, that's a really, really big deal. It's not like being three years older than someone yeah, in the yeah. pro tour. So a lot of that's mental. seems Andy probably, you know, eventually got over the hump there. But that's uh, it's a very cool story. Then two phenomenal athletes. That's how good Roddick was, was that he was able to, to beat this top junior who was three years older, Martina. Uh, what was your reaction to hearing that? You're on mute again. You got to unmute. It's just interesting that you can play pickleball and do an interview. You can't do that while you're playing tennis, can you? My point. Um, no, it's it's amazing that these two great athletes uh, got into it uh, at, at such a young age. And I think Drew Brees picked the right sport, that's for sure. And I think Andy picked the right sport for himself as well. <laughs> Who wants a little twist on this story we just saw? I would love one. Of course. There was a third member of that Austin junior tennis cluster, Chris Mim, who would grow to seven feet tall, play basketball, and play in the NBA. And apparently he was the best of the three and eventually got so tall they shoved him in the basketball, unlike some other people. <laughs> he played in um, Texas, right? No, he, he played, played, he's, played yeah. University he's of Texas, yeah. played for the Celtics, played for the Lakers, and apparently Chris Mim, who I, I think he's like three years older than Andy, so two years older than Drew Brees, so bear that in mind. But apparently he was the best of the three, and he ended up as a professional athlete as well. That's amazing. I mean, you've done stories on football players who grew up played uh, Jake Elliott, the, the kicker for the yeah, Eagles. Yeah, yeah. Josh Rosen was was a yeah. top junior in SoCal. How do you think, Lindsay, that the the skills translate? Wow. <laughs> I don't know about that football and tennis, but they talk about the footwork. Yeah, no, of course. Mental. But I think a lot of times, and I think also 10, 20, 30 years ago, I think a lot of kids were playing a whole bunch of different sports, yeah. right? Yeah. Depended on the season, what sport you would play. It, so much specializing goes on now that I think it's a little bit more rare to have a player be really great in two. It still happens, but I, I don't think it happens as much as it used to. Um, it certainly used to hear about a lot of tennis players I always heard played basketball. I know you played a little bit of basketball. That has a lot of the quick foot, footwork and getting up and down the court. And um, football I hadn't heard as much. Right. It's too bad that Chris Mim didn't play tennis because at least uh, John could look somebody in the eyeball. You know, <laughs> yeah. he actually had to look out. <laughs> no, I mean, we have my good friend Riley Opelka, of course, I yeah. see, see eye to eye. But he's been on the shelf for quite a bit. But as far as how these other sports translate to tennis. I do know a lot of professional hockey players, especially the European ones, all grew up playing tennis. Hockey players love tennis, and there's a lot of tennis players, uh, vice versa, that love hockey, myself included. I, I, lo I love hockey, but what, I mean, they're on skates. How, how are they, what, what are the skills that are similar? Well, I guess, you know, Slap shot, swinging. Okay. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I, I, I know, like, you know, you look in the Czech Republic in, in particular, you know, there's a lot of the, the NHL players that grew up there played a lot of tennis on the clay courts huh. in the Czech Republic. Martina, can you speak to that? Our, our Czech? I can, because I played hockey too. Uh, mm -hmm. Hand-eye, hand uh, fast twitch, same kind of fitness. Well, in, in hockey, you play for 30, 40 seconds, then you rest. 
but it's very much a similar movement except you're on skates but otherwise it's very very similar the hand eye comes in very handy Things happen really fast in hockey. It's not suitable for the workplace. Look up the name of Martina's hockey team uh, online during the commercial. But meanwhile, how, how much of this talk? How much? She's laughing. She knows what I'm talking about. How, how much of this talk about athletes? How much of this not necessarily about oh, throwing a football is like hitting a serve? How much of it is just the mindset of an athlete? It's rhythms. It's adversity. It's training. It's discipline. I'm not sure there's a whole lot of carryover skill set to skill set. I just wonder how much of it is about knowing what it takes to be an elite athlete, that's what translates to being the Philadelphia Eagles kicker. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, you grow up playing a sport and you're good at, let's say, hockey and you're good at tennis, you know, you know you want to go up, grow up and maybe be a professional in one of those sports. So you take it very seriously and from an early age you learn, a, you learn an incredible work ethic and then whatever sport you decide to go on to because you know how to work hard and you're committed, typically you can do well. On behalf of Andy Roddick, uh, you're welcome, football. You, you got Drew Brees, and, and we miss you, Roddick. Uh, look forward to, I think, seeing you in Miami for the Miami coverage. going to be good stuff. Hey. Guess who's coming up next? Chanda Rubin. Come on, Steve. Let's get ready. Okay. That looks like the Hyatt <laughs> Hotel. Is that what it is? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Don't out her. It's okay. <laughs> Ocean away. Welcome back to TC Live at the Australian Open. It is day seven, heading into the second weekend. And take a look at our featured matches coming up later tonight. Some good ones. Emma Navarro looking to make the Sweet 16. Taking on Diana Yastremska. Tommy Paul in action. Carlos Alcaraz for the first time in his life playing somebody younger than him on the ATP Tour. Iga Sviantek against a teenager as well. And then Alex Mickelson in action against Alexander Zverev. Look who we've got with us. Yay! It is our friend, Australian Open doubles champion, the great Chanda Rubin. Great to see you, Chanda. Been listening to you call matches down there. You've been killing it. How you doing? I'm doing great, especially now that I'm seeing you two and chatting. <laughs> I love it. But we got a lot to talk about, Chanda. Let, let's start with the youngster, Mira Andrieva, just 16 years old, had that massive comeback last night, was down 5-1, saved match point, came all the way back. Now she's in the fourth round for the first time at the Australian Open. What's impressed you the most about her? I think for me, it's been her poise. I mean, that was a really difficult situation that she was in. We've seen her get a little emotional at times. You know, she's trying to, to achieve her dreams. She's only 16 years old. It's understandable. But I thought she stayed so calm. She used the energy. She used the crowd. She used the moment in a really positive fashion. And, of course, her game. She's got so much variety, so much understanding of how to uh, play the angles of the court the defense, she can go from defense to offense. So I think there's so much to like about her game. And then mentally and emotionally, she found the right balance and was able to get through that last round. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about Andreeva here, and we've been impressed by her, but got to say, been more impressed with Coco Goff and how she has played so far in this Australian Open. She's trying to win her second major in a row. Chanda, have you liked what you've seen from Coco so far in Australia? 
I actually have. I think, you know, she struggled a little bit in her first match, but, you know, she made the scoreline look pretty simple. And I think that's the mark of a champion as well. You know this well, Lindsay. Some days you're not playing your best and you've got to find a way to win. And I think Coco Golf is doing that and she's making it look easier and easier. Her last match, you know, just very straightforward scoreline in a match that all the pressure was on her, the expectation playing a fellow American. And I think she's just handling all of these moments so beautifully. And you also see some of the things she's trying to do in her game, trying to be more aggressive, especially off that forehand side. That's been a big improvement for her. And I'm continuing to see that focus. I think that's going to help her as she continues to work her way through the draw. And what a big opportunity when you look at how the draw is opening up. Uh, Coco Golf certainly is that player top of mind uh, as a favorite. Yeah, she's definitely my favorite uh, as of now and what we've seen so far to win the title there. It was a couple of years ago where Coco was playing in the U.S. Open Junior Final against Amanda Anasimova. So much promise and hope for both of them. Of course, Anasimova left the tour last year for about six, seven months to take a mental break. She is back in Melbourne, Shanda. It's been one of my favorite storylines so far to see Amanda back competing. She had a big win yesterday over Paula Badosa. How do you think she's looked? You know, I call that match uh, first up, and, and it was amazing. I thought she was hitting the ball beautifully. First of all, it's just great to see her back. She looks ha happy. You know, she looks well-adjusted, and that's the most important part. But she's hitting the ball beautifully. And it's interesting, in that match, Bedosa was up 4-1, but at no time did it really look like uh, Amanda was out of it. You know, it just looked like at any moment she would find the game, just that little additional edge she needed to start making a few more balls. And when she did, she was able to completely turn that match around. I was impressed with her mentally as well. You talked about the difficulty she had at the end of that first set. And at one point, I thought, okay, is she going to be able to continue? Is she going to be able to handle this this moment? And she did. You know, she she settled in. She found a way to physically push through. And then she got herself a few moments, saw the trainer. I think she started managing it over the course of the second set very purposefully. And I think that's a huge improvement for her. And she's got to feel great about her chances. Just let it all hang out against Sabalenka. Hit the ball the way she's been doing. And I think she still has a great shot. Chanda, let's stay with the American women. Emma Navarro, you're going to be calling her match later tonight. Taking on Diana Yastremska. More wins on tour than any other player right now, Emma. She's got her first title in Hobart as well. What have you made of her run to the third round? Emma Navarro has been, you know, such a, a fantastic story because she she's so sort of under the radar, but yet the moves that she has been making over the last 12 months have been, you know, pretty fantastic. You know, she has been slowly working her way through opponents, through draws. She's got, I mean, the beer, that was a classic moment. I, I could not believe when I saw that. But I mean, it just shows you she's in the moment. And we don't often see her personality really come out on the court. But there you got some little inklings. And I thought even when she got through some trouble in that match, 
you know, she understood the moment. She understood the occasion, and she wanted it so badly against Coach Areto. I think even when things got a little a little squirrely on her, she was able to pull it back in. She was able to find her game. She's such a solid player, but she's got a sneaky quick weapon in her forehand, and she started using her serve beautifully. So I think the more confidence she gains, she can continue to step up in these big moments and, you know, maybe push through the draw and have a huge result herself. I mean, there's, what, four American women left in the draw, and they're all in different quarters. So how pretty amazing is that? Yeah. It, it is amazing. I don't think I knew the beer. I didn't. I hadn't that seen we, that. Yeah, no, I, hadn't I hadn't seen, seen that, that either. That, you just broke some news for us, Chanda. Thank you. We love to see it. Cannot wait to listen to you call that match later tonight. Like Andrea Petkovic has said, you've been absolutely crushing it down there. Look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for waking up early with us. This is Chanda Rubin. Oh, that's a behind couple days ago in her pretty purple. We miss her here, though. We do miss her here. Where's we'll see you back to? soon, Chanda. Welcome back. Time to break down some more Americans in action. Amanda Anasimova taking on Paula Bedosa Martina. Two players on the comeback, couple of big hitters, but AA brought that A game. Yeah, Badosa came out firing. She was up 4-2, but lost the serve. And uh, Anisimova, I don't know. Badosa, uh, the first two matches, she was really aggressive, uh, forcing the action. But maybe it's because Anisimova just did not let Badosa get into her game. as She was dictating from the baseline, came to the net a few times. Nice volley there. And uh, yeah, she just uh, would not let uh, Badosa get any rhythm. She was getting some treatment from the trainer. Who knows if it was nerves or something stuck in her under her ribs. But in any case, uh, the delay didn't bother her. She just keeps keeps coming for her shots. She's moving really better and better and growing in confidence. And Bedosa maybe will be disappointed with her effort there, but um, she tried. But uh, Anisimova just hit her off the court. A few months ago, you were volunteering at dog shelters, you're attending university classes, and now here you are into the fourth round of the Australian Open. How'd you do it? Uh, yeah, it's quite unbelievable um, after taking some time off, but I'm really feeling good. And I think the most important thing is that I'm just enjoying my time out here. And yeah, I'm just really happy to be playing here and into the next round. Battle of lefties on the men's side. Ben Shelton, Adrian Manorino. You talked about it, Isner. 0-4 against fellow Southpaws on tour. Manorino really good. It's now 0-5. Manorino is very good. He's extremely comfortable on these courts. I would know he beat me in the first round last year before he lost, I think, in a tight four-set match to Demonauer. So he plays well on these courts, and he's obviously very, very confident. He came into this match in his career-high ranking. And this is a match that really surprised me with the amount of breaks there were. There were seven for Ben, six for Manorino. And Ben served at a very, very good clip. 18 aces and 72% uh, just was not good enough. And Manorino just got, got the best of him. I think this is the break in the fifth set. And he got up two breaks, 5-2 actually, um, in the 4-2 game that Ben was serving was actually up 40 love in that game and dropped it. And he could have used that game because he got one back. But eventually, unfortunately, 
did a pretty uh, a week back into the net to finish the match. But it was a very, very tight tussle and a night, night match and a very exciting atmosphere as well. Nearly five hours for that match. Manorino, third straight five-setter. He was asked after, what's the key to getting better when you're supposed to be too old? And he answered, John, tequila. <laughs> Interesting. Did see that? Uh, didn't, yeah, exactly. Didn't see that. Did you put Manorino and Tequila together? Yeah, Come he on. Might, he might get a sponsorship now. Yeah. That's right. That From a Tequila be, uh, brand. That would be it's one better than his clothing. There are a lot of them. You know, he doesn't have a clothing spot. That's he's, what I'm guys, saying. Guys going to Target, but I also I feel like, boy, he's so fun to watch. I mean, you look at this guy. Where, where's he been? You want to know? Uh, there he is with. Uh, that, that's the same Andrew Manorino we just saw in the highlight, by the way. That Stop looks like it. his. Uh, yes. What year was brother. that? Yeah, I don't know. He's he's embracing the new look for sure. Those are both old. Look at we still have, we have Shelton in the wrong clothes. Look at career. Uh, we got to update those. Good call. <laughs> career high ranking at 35, finally into the top 20 and playing like it. Quick story: When Wimbledon last year, you go to pick up your credential. He was in front of me, and the person the credential said, "What newspaper are you from?" Oh. Um, and he did not. You know, he was very cool about it. But uh, yeah, this is this is really nice to see. And there, there's no one. What's it like playing for a player like that? There's no one that plays like him. Uh, you can't say to your coach, hey, go be a lefty and shovel the ball and don't have a backswing and play a crazy lefty game. How do you prepare for a guy like that? It's it's tough, and you almost know what he's going to do. He's going to carve that serve out wide on the outside, and when he gets a backhand, he's going to hit that serve, and he's going to get it back, and he's going to nudge it in the open court. You know, against a lot of players, it's extremely successful. Now he plays Djokovic next, the greatest mover of all time. It might not be that easy, but it's working for him right now, and he's certainly on a roll. Hopefully he's not watching the show because he doesn't like to know until an hour before a match who he's playing in the next round. Oh, he can't that's avoid that. Down yeah, there. that's a first <laughs> round and yeah, second right. round. Yeah, you you can avoid. Not now. Manorino, he knows. I got, I got good news and bad Bad news. The good news, your player is senior. You're, you'll be the younger player on the yeah, court. Exactly. <laughs> that's about it. Right. <laughs> that, that's the, it for the good news. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's talk about some of the Americans that are in action today. Sloane Stevens taking on Anna Kalinskaya. We've seen a lot of emotion and joy yep. from Sloane this week. What do you think of the matchup? And Steve, got to give it to you. The be- Before the tournament started, you said, I, I think I'm going Sloane for my, my dark horse here. And look at how well she's played. Love the energy. Love the emotion. A big win against Kazakina in the last round. She She's looked good. You just never know when Sloan's going to put it all together. Mm. And we've seen her at her best. Obviously, won a major, got to the final of another one. She can she can have good runs. Does she want to? It definitely looks like she does. It looks like she's enjoying her tennis. I really have good feeling for her to get through a couple more matches. Only major champ left in that quarter yeah. is Sloane yeah. Stevens. Uh, Emma Navarro, Martina, has been so impressive. Ten wins this year. She's won seven in a row, but she's taking on a qualifier. So that means Diana Yastremska is on a winning streak as well. How do their games match up? Well, Yastremska, nice all-around player, good athlete, but nothing really to hurt uh, Emma with kind of actually similar games when you think about it. Neither one has a massive weapon, but Emma is using that forehand a lot better than she has in the past. She keeps opening up the court much better with it and going for shots, but she, uh, Emma has got to be confident on, for this match and forget, forget the fact that Diana qualified. She's got bigger wins against uh, high-ranked players and she's on a roll. So I think this is her match to win or lose. But the nice going for Yastremska, who's been off the tour for a while and came through the qualifying.
But Emma should win this one, I think. Is it freezing in that gym? Yeah, lo she looks really comfy. I'll yeah, tell you that. Yeah, very comfy. But, uh, <laughs> I, I wish I could I wear that. I want my hoodie right now. <laughs> right? I'm cold, too. Uh, on the men's side, we got last year's semifinalist, Tommy Paul, taking on Miramir Ketsmanovic. I thought it was interesting. Tommy's coach, Brad Stein, uh, recently said they want to perpetuate those myths that Tommy's not being uh, professional, that he's not working hard. Let people think that as long as possible, John. How would you characterize the evolution of Tommy Paul? There he is, Mr. Cool. <laughs> he's not a worry in the world with, with that guy, and he does work extremely hard. I mentioned yesterday he's one of the fittest players on tour. I do think he's fitter than Kekmanovic. We'll see what happens. They actually played each other two years ago at this uh -huh. tournament, and Miramir won that match. But Tommy's a much different player than he was two years ago. He's really coming into his own. Obviously broke out last year mm -hmm. at this tournament. He's comfortable there. I like Tommy to win. It's going to be a fun match. He plays such an exciting game. He's got a great all-around game, so be a good one to watch. Let me ask Martina a quick question. You're Tommy Paul. You're playing a guy. You, you beat him the last time you played. You don't mind your draw. You're Emma Navarro. You're playing a qualifier. You're Sloan. To get into the second week, you play a player who's never been in the top 50. How do you prepare mentally for a match where you know if you lose it, it will really be a stinging disappointment? How do you prepare for a match like these guys have? You can't think about, oh, I may lose. Yeah, that's that being in the future. You just prepare the same way you do for everybody else. You figure out how your game matches up against that player if you know how they play and make a game plan and just think about that it's not about oh, i should win or you know i hope i don't lose because that just doesn't work so uh yeah i think the preparation is the same yes you're a favorite now you, you may be the pressure's on but again <laughs> what i say nice problem and uh and yeah you have to t take each match just as seriously as the one before and the one after Champion. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you didn't ask me that. Right? I'm glad you asked Martina. That's a champion talk. You've had doubts? Oh, look at that. Oh, oh that's great to see. Oh, that's a champion? Yes. First time on site this okay. year. Oh, that's, that's great. Awesome. I'm so glad he's there. I hope he has, like, a, a seat in that arena, right? Got his name on it and I just stuff. hope they don't ask him for a pass. <laughs> like, uh, this place was named after me. Exactly. Victoria Azarenka wearing the uh, Andre Rublev shades, coming coming on in. We'll be we'll be updating the mum tracker again tomorrow, taking on Yelena Ostapenko. No place where she's more confident than Australia. Two-time champ there. A lot more still to get to here on TC Live. Big stories, highlights. We'll hear from the winners. You don't want to miss what Lindsay, John, Martina, John, and how about Jim Courier have to say about today's matches as we get you ready for first ball in Melbourne on this TGIF. Back on TC Live, a reminder that the world's top men and women return to Tennis Paradise in Indian Wells, California, one of the sport's marquee events. Do not miss complete first ball to last ball live coverage of the BNP Paribas Open. It's on Tennis Channel with daily bonus coverage on T2. The action begins Wednesday, March 6th. Call it Tennis Paradise for a reason. It's amazing there. Amazing in Melbourne as well. And let's take a look at one of tomorrow's matchups. Exciting one between the young American, Amanda Anasimova, and the Arena Sabalenka returning champion at the Australian Open. Take a look at this. 4-1 head-to-head for Anna Samova, including a win at the Australian Open back in 2019. And the only time Sabalenka won a match 
It was three sets. It's been a good matchup for Amanda Anasimova. Steve and Lindsay back with you here. Uh, why do you think it's been so one-sided? Uh, Amanda loves her chances when it's power versus power. And certainly early on in this rivalry was all Amanda who was able to take what Sabalenka was giving her and give it back even harder. And it was a bit of a different Sabalenka, though, in those years, 2019 to 2022. Hadn't fully developed physically yet into the specimen that she is today and also didn't have as good a control over her shots. So it'll be interesting today for Amanda a, a huge test for her to be able to handle that power. Since she's returned to tour this year, she hasn't played anyone that served or hit as hard off the ground as Sabalenka. So that'll take a little bit of time away from Amanda, but she's looking for first strike tennis. She's looking to get ahead early in the rallies. That's where she's had her success in years past against Arena. Winner of this match moves on to the quarterfinals. Amanda has talked about working on the mental side of her game with her new coach, Mark Lucero. In the first few rounds, how do you think she's handled those tough moments on court? Yeah, it's really been great to see Amanda just be back on the court competing. One of the best storylines so far this year on the WTA side really felt in May of last year just completely overwhelmed and very unhappy playing tennis. So for her to be able to want to come back out and play and want to compete mm. is a big win for her. She had some hiccups at the end of the first set against Bedosa. It looked like she was going to get sick. I didn't know if maybe she was feeling it physically or if that was nerve-related. It looked like it went away, so probably a little bit of nerves, but she got through the match and won in straight sets. Now she plays a match where she has nothing to lose. She's playing last year's champion. She can hopefully go out and free swing and serve well, and it'll be a good match. All right, looking forward to this one. Anna Samova and Sabalenka. It goes down tomorrow. All eyes will be on that when we come back. Getting closer to the start of action on day seven. All the top stories with Lindsay Martina and the Johns. Plus, Jim Courier joins us a little later from Melbourne. Thanks for staying with us right here on TC Live. Martina, Lindsay, John, John, Steve back with you. A reminder, TC Live comes your way 5 Eastern every day to get you ready for first ball. Then you've got two chances to see Tennis Channel's awesome encore coverage with Brett Haber and Paul Anico, and you do not want to miss that. Well, last year, Arena Sabalenka came to Australia, achieved a lifelong dream, winning a Grand Slam singles title. She overcame all of her serving woes from the previous year to lift the trophy and eventually get to number one in the world. Massive moment for Sabalenka. She looks even more focused this year, Martina. Sabalenka hadn't dropped a set coming into her third round match with Lesia Serenko. She decided not to drop a game. No serving issues whatsoever. Zero aces, zero double faults. I'll give you a funny statistic. Tsurenko won 12 out of 39 points on her own serve and 12 out of 39 points on Sabalenka's serve. It all added up to absolutely bupkis. She did not win a game, did not have a break point. Sabalenka dominated all the way, uh, winning, uh, hitting 16 winners, nine unforced. It was over before you could blink. As Sabalenka was firing on all cylinders, I think it was like 40-something minutes. It was, um, yeah, that was classic Sabalenka. She is looking sharp. She is, looks ready to defend her title. First double bagel on tour for Arena Sabalenka as we take a look at the scores that she's been bringing. I mean, uh, not dropping games, Lindsay. Well, she almost had a double bagel, as we were talking about in the first round. And yeah. It almost seemed to me that she gave that game away on purpose. <laughs> I swear, in the really? first round. And then Fruvertova able to win five games, but then she was not feeling very generous against Serenko. She has looked great. She loves playing down here. It's always interesting to see a player return back 
to the site of their first big win, and Sabalenka's handling it well. She's won 10 straight at this event. Coco trying to win 10 in a row at Majors. Lindsay also looking to carve up yeah. later childhood friend. I impressive performance. There was two games in the first set. Park served one at 40-love and another at 40-15, got broken in both. We talk about Parks being such a big server. In total, won only 41% of all service points, and golf was sensational. Dropped back to make a lot of returns. She used her speed. It was all about, I'm going to put every single ball I can back into play. The power of Parks didn't bother her, and Coco won easily. Only dropped three points on her first serve. Went five for five on break points. Stays undefeated this year. Hasn't dropped a set on her way to the fourth round. Casey Delacqua with Coco Golf. You must be pleased to be into the fourth round again. Yeah, I'm really happy with how I played today. Um, you know, the scoreline says different. She's a tough player. She's just a ball big. And uh, I've known her since I was like nine or eight years old, probably even younger than that. So uh, our first time ever playing um, juniors or pro, this is the first time. So hopefully we can have many more matches in the future. She wrote, be happy, smile on the camera after. We love those positive vibes, Martina. And, and Coco has lots of reasons to smile. What stood out to you? Uh, just how at ease she was with herself. I thought she would feel the pressure of playing somebody, you know, up and coming uh, from her own generation, uh, her age, and, uh, and, and an American, a lot of pressure that way. But she just looked as cool as could be. She was a cool cucumber, as, uh, as John said. Um, yeah, just uh, she, she played very defensively. Alicia Parks was going for it. She hit... What is it? Uh, like the 34, 11 winners, but 34 unforcers. Coco, only four winners, eight unforced. She was playing passively, but it worked. She was keeping the ball in play and, and making uh, making uh, Parks miss. And that's kind of what, she, what, what her default game is now, and it works. John, she's so fast. We, we talked about the fact that it could have been a tricky matchup for her, playing somebody that she knows, a fellow American. So in terms of coming through that, how tough is that? It is tough. Uh, playing your friend is never easy, especially in a big stage like a Grand mm. Slam. But I think it was good that they played in the third round. They, they, both players sort of got their, their butterflies out in the first two rounds. And look, Coco's coming into this tournament with a lot of confidence. She won Auckland. She's off a Grand Slam win in the U.S. Open. She was a heavy favorite in this match, and she played like it. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, if, if there were any friction there, Coco didn't show it at all. I mean, there was no sort of extra level of discernible intensity playing another American. I also think, overall, nice event for Alicia Parks, right? She won some matches. We saw her game. She could win a three-setter. And then she now leaves also knowing, look, there's some work I need to do if I want to get to that very, very top level. So, yeah, one of the great servers in women's tennis, and she held serve twice at the same time, got to the third round, and now she can get on with her season. Yeah, nice moment at the end where Goff told her, next time we're going to meet in the finals. Yeah. These two have yeah. known each other for a long time. But as John said, it was a great tournament for Alicia Parks to get through to the third round. We talked about how she was decided between dropping down and playing lower-level tournaments, decided to go for it, trained big on the offseason. It paid off. You got to be. She's, you know she's disappointed. She didn't play the style of, and the level of tennis she wanted to. So much was due to Coco, her speed, her consistency, and I think her awareness now that I can win matches a couple of different ways. Mm. So on any given day, I'm going to play whatever way I need yeah. to to win easily, and she was able to do that. Yeah, good signs for Alicia Parks, great signs yeah. for yeah. Coco Goff looking to make the quarterfinals for the first time at the Australian Open. Let's go to the men's side where Novak Djokovic... John Isner, just, he sets records all the time. 100th career match in Melbourne. Now the only men's player in the Open era to do that at all four majors. Could he get to 101? 
I think he could. And we, we pre kind of predicted this, uh, this result. We knew it was going to be tough. Echeverry came into this match playing very, very well. But this is a perfect test, in my estimation, for Djokovic after playing four sets his first two rounds to get a get through a tough three-set win, mm. I think was uh, was very, very uh, important for him. We see him, this is what he does, one all, break point, return winner. He's the best of all time. He's the best returner of all time. And he, uh, he took control, winning the first two sets extremely uh, in, in easy fashion, I, I should say. But the third set went to a tiebreaker, and we all know that Djokovic's tiebreak record in the last couple years at Grand Slams is completely absurd. Uh, <laughs> no one can beat him in tiebreakers, and Echeverry could not do that as well. Djokovic came through, came through uh, with, with all the goods, easy tiebreak win, perfect result for him. 3-3-6, three, three, and six. he's moving on in the fourth round. 31 straight matches won, 10 aces, 34 winners. Won more than 85% of his points on the first serve. That's something we've talked about as well, him improving his serve. He said it was his best performance of the tournament, Lindsay. Do you agree with that? Yeah. I, I, for whatever the reason, the first two rounds, we're not used to seeing him have to play four sets or four hours, and he was a little bit under the weather. He was dealing with a wrist injury. He's very comfortable also in these conditions. I read a stat he hasn't played a day match. <laughs> At Rod Laver Arena since 2021 second round. So he knows he wants to play at night. The tournament switches to the night sessions the second week. So he's like, from the beginning, I want to play at night. This is what the conditions are if I'm going to win this tournament. Do not put me during the day. And he has found his comfort zone there at Rod Laver Arena. Craig Talley's like, okay. Yep. <laughs> Martina. Star. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it seems to me that Novak either his injuries were not as bad as we think they were, or I want his DNA because he w there was no shaking of the hand. The cold is gone. I mean, the guy looks like he's on his deathbed, and next thing you know, he wins the tournament. So, yeah, I think his recovery of powers are amazing, and uh, he played his best tennis yesterday, got off to a quick start, and... He keeps getting better and better, and that's a pretty scary thought for the rest of the field. If, if we could all just sleep in cryo chambers yeah. every night, Same. I mean, we'd be Same. better, Same. <laughs> right? He does, he does it all. I mean, there, he takes his recovery very seriously, as we know. We talked about that again yesterday. Maybe he had a little cold. Maybe he had a little bit of a wrist injury. Seems to be over his cold, and as all the best players do, they start playing better as the tournament progresses. Yep. Uh, we probably still have not even seen the best Novak Djokovic yet. That is still to come. Yannick Sinner, though, he's looked pretty good, John. Uh, coming out on fire. Best performance yet for him against Sebastian Baez. Yeah, talk about one guy who has not had hiccups so far this tournament. Hasn't dropped a set. The only remaining male that goes for. Boy, was he in sort of pain sponge mode yesterday. Little succession reference for John Isner. Baez is a nice player. You know, there's a battle of two seeds, but just not much of a match yesterday. Baez on hard court is not the player he is on play. And boy, did we get the full sinner. Look at his length. I mean, he's winning a lot of these points with just clean, crisp, powerful ball striking, but also watch his length. Look at that. Helps to be six foot four or six foot five, as, uh, as John knows. And this was just a pretty breezy match. Look, you play Two sets and you give up one game, things are going well, finishes it out. 34 winners, 27 unforced errors, breezing into week two center. 16-1 now in his last 17 matches dating back to last year. How about 22-2 since the U.S. Open? Keep your eyes on the Italian. Still to come, it's a miracle. Mira Andreeva continues to turn Melbourne Park into her magic kingdom. See how the teenager came back from the brink to reach the Sweet 16.
Welcome back to TC Live at the Australian Open. It is the weekend in Melbourne. Almost to that second Sunday, three Sundays this year at the Australian Open. 16-year-old Mira Andrieva coming off the biggest win of her life against Ange Jabeur. Lindsay facing Diane Perry. Talk about a comeback for the ages. We go straight to the third. Yeah, it was 5-1 for Perry. And all of a sudden, Andrieva settled down, started to get more consistent. And, Steve, you could see the fear in Perry's eyes. Some comebacks are all about the player playing so well and others about the player in the winning position freezing. Diane Perry froze. And Mira Andrieva, smart enough at this young age to realize that, she got so consistent, started moving her shots around the court. Perry, who was struggling with nerves, seemed to find a, have a harder time moving around the court. Andreva got the crowd going as well. That is huge for a 16-year-old. She had them at the end, cheering every single point she won. And she was able to claw her way back into this match. And this will be a tough match for Perry, who had a match point and didn't get it done. But a lot of composure. And what a change for Andreva! just one year from when we saw her sobbing here at this same tournament in the junior girls division. She gets through, Steve. Fights all the way back to reach the second week of a slam for the second time in her career. Incredible stuff from the 16-year-old. One person watching this match, by the way, was that beautiful face that she loves, Andy Murray. And he tweeted support after criticizing a commentator for questioning the teenager's mental strength. Said maybe the reason she turned the match around was because of her mental strength. Maybe she turned it around because she's hard on herself and demands more of herself when she's losing or playing badly. Winner. Love to see that from Andy Murray. And when Mira heard about that, she said, honestly, I'm going to try and print it out, <laughs> put it in a frame, and bring it everywhere yeah. with me. I mean, it's, it's precocious, whatever. She's an amazing player and, and got a great personality off it. Martina, what do you think of her mental strength and what she showed out there? Her fighting spirit, that was clear at Wimbledon last year. She just would not give up on any point at any situation. So that fighting spirit, that carries you through when everything else fails, and that's what carried her through in this match. So love it that she didn't give up. She, I think she'll learn to be nicer to herself. It's, it's champions are perfectionists, and they learn to uh, kind of just strive for excellence rather than perfection. So hopefully that's a lesson she will learn. But love it that her spirit has spunk in her game. Awesome. There was, there was spirit, and there was spunk, and there was also tactics. I mean, she saw what was going on on the other side of that. She was well aware that the opponent was starting to lose the plot a little. You saw, even in those highlights, you saw some drop shots. She has a really high tennis IQ because we must, by, like, fatwa, we have to give some sort of historical answer. Is, it, is this Martina Hingis, Tracy Austin? Who, who are you seeing here? Well, it's interesting. She talks a lot about Martina Hingis being such a huge idol for her and looking up to her. Um, she's, I think that she's got a little bit of a lot of different players in her, and that's what makes her so special at such a young age. She's smart, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> Only four players have made the fourth round of both Wimbledon and the Australian Open before turning 17. One of those four is Martina Hingis. Do you see a little Hingis in the Andrieva spirit? Absolutely. I mean, she's showing some serious poise uh, beyond her years, and it's very impressive to come back from 5-1 in the third. I think at maybe 5-3 in the third set, you can maybe see the writing on the wall a little bit. She started getting all the momentum. She got the, the break at 5-3, made it 5-4, of course, held serve to get to 5-all. And then when he gets to the tiebreaker, you had to favor her big time. Right. And Which, that's exactly what happened. And she also, she had a chance to serve it out. So yeah. she wins five games in a row. She gets the 6-5 to serve, gets broken, 
and then resets and wins in a match tiebreak. I thought that was, in, in a weird <laughs> way, that was not beating Osterberg 0 and 2, but in a weird way, that was almost just mm. as impressive a win. I, I totally agree with you. But the biggest win for her, getting a tweet from Andy Murray. Yep. I mean, <laughs> at 16, she's like, oh my God, <laughs> we're going to carry that around for her. I, well, he did jinx. Uh, Carolyn Garcia. Exactly, when she played Sharapova. Remember the, the, <laughs> Roland Garros years, years ago? Yeah. Still a chance. Right. Yeah, so hopefully we didn't just jinx Andreeva. No, just mental strength, right? Yeah, I hope so. Okay. <laughs> Andy, you're, you're, you're good. Let's go to the guys. Stefano Tsitsipas. Uh, he dropped the first set in rounds one and two. Said he needed a passionate Steph straight from the beginning, Martina. That was bad news for the young Frenchman, Luca Van Asha. Yes, I think... Uh, Sissipak just did not want to lose that first set and get behind. Aisha is a tough customer. He's an up-and-comer that we will be seeing in the future. And uh, Sissipak really turned it on this point, just like Jimmy Connors against Paul Harhouse at the, at the US Open. He returns like four overheads, runs this ball down, and making Van Aisha miss. And that turned that set around. That set him up, uh, and he only lost one more game the rest of the way as he got the crowd on his side. And uh, feeling it in every way, running this ball down, getting it past, past Chris, and served it out nicely at 5-4. So that was a, that was a great comeback in the in the third set and a fantastic point. And uh, yeah, just looks really solid. He's getting better. Better and better. Fourth round for a fifth time in Melbourne. 36 winners, 12 aces. Who's he going to play next? The winner of this match, John, between Taylor Fritz and Fabian Marjan. The Hungarian pulled off some big upsets last year. He absolutely did. We know he beat Alcaraz in, in Rome. This was a very good match from Taylor. You know, he got through his first-round match in five sets, and it, it appeared to have maybe tweaked his ankle in that in that first match, but showing no ill effects of that. Um, had a comprehensive win in his in his second match, and look, he played very very solid in these uh, last three sets. After dropping the first, it was one-way traffic. There's no doubt about it. Taylor's playing fantastic. As we know, he plays a lot, right? And he did play the United Cup. And, but after he did not play the, the week before the Aussie Open, maybe took a little bit of time off, used it as a little bit of a training block, and I think it was a good idea. So he seems to be very, very fresh right now, playing extremely well. And he plays Sitsipas, who I believe he played two years ago yep. in this same tournament. So that's going to be a blockbuster clash in the round of 16. It's exactly what the draw predicted, and it's coming to fruition. Hopefully no holes in his shoes in that match. The way he slides, it's crazy. We didn't show the pictures of that, but look it up. Uh, meantime, Seb Korda taking on Andre Rublev. Russian won both of their previous meetings in straight sets worth time, and uh, we thought this was going to be closer. Yeah, uh, Rublev had won four sets on hard courts against Korda, and now it is seven, because this was peak Rublev. We said Korda had to serve well in this match. He didn't serve badly, 18 aces, but you know who served really well with Rublev? Hitting his spots, 83% of his first serve points. One, look at this. He got a little lucky there, but nice combination of uh, of skill and placement. This was in a second set breaker. This was sort of court as sniff. Look, look at the score bug. It's five all here, so, you know, we're only two points away from a set point. Quarter comes in and zoop, threads the needle, does Rublev. Window closed. Rublev wins that second set in a breaker and then breaks and sort of Rides home. Rublev, what have we said about him? Six of the last seven majors. He's been to a quarter but hasn't made a semi. Well, you got to win the third round to get to a semi. I've seen a lot of that gesture. Nice straight set win. Stays perfect in 2024. Not a lot of people are talking about Andre Rublev. He's 7-0. Gets Alex Demonor next as we take a look 
at the Sweet 16 in this portion of the draw. Favorite matchup, isn't it? Well, this is almost all chalk. Yeah. Besides Manorino yeah. being the 20 seed, uh, this is like you fill out NCAA bracket. You just take the higher seed. The best players have advanced so far. This is a tough section of the draw. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Sinner, Kachanov, Kachanov made the semifinals last year. Rublev, Diebenauer, two of the arguably the, the hottest players on tour right now. Uh, Rublev winning Hong Kong and Diebenauer playing great in the United Cup. Looking forward to all of those fourth-round matchups. Looking forward to a lot more still to come here on TC Live. Jim Courier joins the program, and we're going to talk Carlos Alcaraz, Iga Sviantec, all the stars. Don't go anywhere. getting close to first ball on a Saturday down under looking forward to all the action coming up top of the hour one of our favorite parts of the show we get to welcome in our friend Hall of Famer two-time champ Jim Courier to the program Jim how you doing I'm great the Al Roker report is ready would you guys like to hear what the weather is down here today let's get it let's get it yeah okay it's it, it's cloudy as you can see but it's cool this is one of the cooler Australian opens that, I, that I've experienced in a long, long time, we had one really hot day the first Tuesday of the tournament, but but today, very pleasant. Again, it's not windy at the moment. The wind does tend to pick up as we go, but uh, now the matches are all starting to move towards the covered courts as well. So I think we're in really good shape, and the players should be quite happy with what they have to deal with right now. You know, if this tennis thing doesn't work out, we've got yeah. a Fox weather segment earlier in the show. You're doing it great. You could be our guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to need better makeup to do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to the highlights. Let's get Jim involved in the program. A lot went down yesterday. We had Alex Demonor giving the home nation some hope. Jim playing his best tennis of the year. Kept it going against Flavio Cabali. Yeah, it was first time for him to play outside of Rod Laver Arena. He said it took him a few, uh, few games to really get used to the conditions. He needed three break points to finally convert and get up on Kabali, who is the qualifier, came in playing five matches to, to get to this round. But Dima just a little too much. The, the wheels and then the forehand, he's got a lot more variety this season. That's been uh, leading them to a lot of wins. Three wins over top 10 players, including Djokovic at the United Cup. So he is full of confidence, and he was on the move. His second straight Italian player he played, and it's his second consecutive straight set win. Uh, Kabali, he had, got strapped up. His, his leg gave out, and he was hilarious on that uh, medical timeout. He told the physio, I'm a toaster, but I'm a happy, and we'll keep trying. So at least he didn't pull the pen. He stayed on the court, and uh, he shook hands, which was great, and a tremendous tournament for him. He, he's moving up like 25 ranking spots. Demonors in the fourth round now for the third straight year, fellas. Looking good. Weatherman, comedian, JC does it all. Uh, not a lot of people talking about Corinne Hatchinoff, but he has made the semifinals here just last year. As you know, he is always dangerous. Though. He is always dangerous, playing very well. This is a match, though, that Mahach, apologies if I got that wrong, would like to have back. He was 2 of 19 on break points versus Kachinoff, 2 of 3. Uh, Mahach won 30% of return points versus 24% for the, for the Russian, and that's 147 points totally to 145. So really, he might have been the better player throughout the mm. course of this match. Of course, that doesn't always necessarily you're gonna mean you're going to win the match. He did not win the most important points, and and we see it was a tight four-set tussle, and 
Hatchinoff comes through with the goods here with the big serve and forehand. So he's back in the second week after making the semifinals last year, so he's got to be feeling pretty, pretty good. Plays those tie breaks so well. 48 winners, just 33 unforced errors. 17 aces as well for the big Russian. How about Marta Kostyuk looking to make the fourth round here for the first time, taking on Alina Avanesian Linz, and the, and the Russian making her main draw debut here already took out Maria Sakari. Yeah, but it was Kostyuk's day. She was so animated out on court. She was dictating play. She had 29 more winners than her opponent, but also 21 more unforced errors. She was going for it and finally started to get some momentum late in the second set. She carried that over into the third set. It was great to see the crowd supporting her so much. This is a player that's really struggled the last couple of years, given everything that's going on in her homeland. She has been absolutely thrilled competing. She got up for love, got a little squirrely at the end, got back to four all before she was able to win the final two games. 45% of her service points won in the first set. How about nearly 60% in the final two sets? 49 winners for her as she takes care of business, gets Maria Timofeva next. So uh, the young Russian there. But let's go back to Alex Dimonor, Jim, and what he's been able to do knowing that the hopes of a nation are on his shoulders. You mentioned it, the year he's had beating guys like Novak Djokovic and Taylor Fritz and Alex Zverev. I mean, he seems to be undaunted. Yeah, he uh, he's definitely coming in with a, a different mindset this tournament than he has in past years. I think there's much more belief uh, he finished in the top 20 for just the first time in his career in 2023. So he's definitely ascending right now. And one of the things that I like also is he's managed his schedule this year better than he normally does because he wasn't chasing points the week before the Australian Open. He was resting up and getting ready, and, and that served him well. So he is fresh. He's got Andre Rublev in the fourth round. Now, Rublev is obviously a terrific player, playing great tennis, took out Sebi Korda nicely. But Alex has a 3-2 head-to-head win record against him. So that's going to bode well for him confidence-wise. That will certainly be a feature match in, in a night match for sure because Channel 9, the, uh, the, the group down here, they're going to want to get the, the big ratings with him. So huge opportunity for him to take a step to the quarterfinals here. He's, he's done that at the U.S. Open, but not at, uh, at any other major. So a chance for him to really stay on the front pages here in Australia. Yeah, let's talk about that match, John, because you know both of those players very well. How, how do you make uh, up who, who's going to take this one? Well, it's going to be a, a very tight tussle. I mean, this, in my estimation, is the match of the second week. Mm -hmm. You have two players playing as well as they both are, and they're clashing against each other. It's going to be on Rod Laver Arena. As Jim mentioned, it's probably going to be the night match. It's going to be a great atmosphere. I mean, you've got to give probably a slight edge to Demon Hour with just with how well he's playing, bringing that confidence into the United Cup. But, you know, Rublev's on a seven-match win streak yeah. of his own. So this is going to be a very good match. I expect a close one. Maybe the crowd can get uh, Demon Hour over the line. It should be a great atmosphere. Yeah, that's just it. There, you also have to factor in the crowd. And will that start to upset Rublev at all? They're obviously going to be boisterous. They're going to be loud. But also... How does the pressure affect Demonar? He's very much aware of Australia's drought on the men's side. He obviously wants to change that also. And some players, when you get to your home slam, it's just different. And a lot of players struggle kind of with that kind of expectation or the limelight on them. Demonar has handled it really nicely so far. But all of a sudden, it starts to become a little bit louder once you get into the second week. He knows he needs to win a big match here at, at the Australian Open. Rublev's a tough out, but he also knows got a pretty good section there like he he can win this match so i just have to see how much pressure he's feeling 
winnable match. It's nice to see a player hit this peak and then keep it going at their major. And he's one of these level-headed guys. You know, he knows the deal. There's no Nick Kyrgios. And on the women's side, there isn't Ash Barty to carry the load. I mean, he's really carrying the hopes. But Craig Tiley told us about that on day one, to see him come. Got some cooperation from the draw gods. Gets the middle weekend. I think that's a winnable match against Rublev. I think, you know, in, in general, we're probably biased for players that max out their talent, as, as Dimonor does. But I also think it's really nice to see a player peak, go to his home slam, all that pressure, and continue without a drop in play. He talked about being nervous before his first match on Laver, and he was able to kind of fight through that. Being on John Kane, uh, it's a good place for an Aussie to be, on, be fun. inside yeah. John Kane Arena, and they're going to be back on Labor, obviously, playing yeah. against Andre Rublev. Jim, uh, you did sports, uh, you did weather. How about traffic? <laughs> I think we're on the we're on the, we're traffic, on the tens. Uh, we, we had some traffic. Well, it's interesting. There, there's going to be traffic in, in the uh, scheduling meeting trying to figure out who gets our, our L.A. because I don't think Djokovic is leaving there, and he's been playing the night matches, as you guys pointed out. Wouldn't be surprised if Demonor is back over on on the People's Court at John Kane Arena for that match against Rublev. I, I do know it will be in prime time. That that I know. I'm not sure which covered court it will be on. If you're Demon, do you ask for Kane? Uh, Demon will ask for RLA. He prefers okay. that. But uh, Demon versus Novak in the arm wrestle. I'm not sure. That's the top <laughs> Ten titles. Yeah, exactly. I grew up here. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we're going for Novak Djokovic. When we come back, we'll break down this match in our Bet365 match preview. The two Alexes, Zverev and Mickelson. Welcome back. Do not miss a new series on T2, Good Trouble, with Nick Kyrgios, featuring the Aussie star in revealing conversations with top figures in sports, entertainment, and tennis. Check out the premiere episode as Nick sits down with Gordon Ramsay. He's got other guests like Novak Djokovic as well. It's next Wednesday, January 24th, 7 p.m. Eastern. That is the premiere streaming on T2. Who do we have coming on site? Carlitos. How about 201st tour-level match? Finally, the elder statesman. Never had that happen before. Yeah, he's always been a, younger. A younger, he's Jerry Shanks, younger. Older opponents <laughs> until uh, until today. Is that weird, John? Yeah, well, it's like <laughs> me last year. I never played anyone older than myself. So this is the first time he's played anyone younger than him. Right? Yeah. This is the first for everything. So good. Will be a good match. Took him. She's back in the gym. Of course she is. In the gym. There she is. Yep. Looking at us. Oh, <laughs> funny. What's up, Coco? She knew she'd see yeah. live. She's like, all right, got to give my love to my tennis well, channel. Fred Gilbert was talking eye. about her warm-up, saying it is very high intensity. Love to hear that. Bet365 match preview. Alexander Zverev, Alex Mickelson. Uh, Zverev favored to win this one. Obviously, uh, the, the resume much greater. But Mickelson, nothing to lose in this one, Jim. What do you make of those odds? Yeah, look, Zverev deserves to be the favorite. There's no doubt about that. But this is one of those classic nothing-to-lose, all-upside matches for the young American. The 19-year-old's already having a win of a tournament. He's going to move up 18 ranking spots to 73. If he loses this one, he'll go up to 65 with the win. So this has been a big move for him. You know, he he lost in the first round of of the the warm-up tournaments, but if you dig a little deeper, he actually won two qualifying matches in each of those tournaments. So that kind of built his confidence up. And then he got his first top 31 over Lehechka. So it's a great start to the season for him. No reason not to go out there and take some cuts and hang in there. But Zverev is physically and mentally really tough. 
Yeah, it's fun to play one of those matches. You always remember your first really big match, especially at a major when you're young and you're upcoming. And for Mickelson, this is what you dream of, being able to play a seed at a major on a show court and also earn your way there, getting and having a B in the third round. As Jim said, he's won two matches. It's just great to see. He's a great young kid. He's got a bright future, and we hope this is the start of us talking about him many more times. For, for the record, he is not driving. Uh, <laughs> other side of the uh, other side of the car in Australia. Um, here's one indication of where these two guys are in their careers. Farrow has won almost 100 times as much prize money as Mickelson, almost 40 million dollars for Alex. I think. I mean, I think it's an advantage. Obviously, you, you know, Zverev. I guarantee you, he knows more about Zverev than vice versa. Also, Mickelson spent significantly less time on court. He's done really well, beat a seed, and hasn't taken on a lot of physical damage. So, I, I think this could be interesting. Well, I, I think it'll be interesting as well. I mean, he's coming in to this match with eight matches played down under. Um, as Jim mentioned, playing a bunch in the qualifying, and he has uh, spent less time on court. I believe this match is on Rod Laver Arena as well, so it's a huge opportunity for Mickelson. He has nothing to lose. Yeah. One thing we do know is he's not going to beat himself mentally. Hmm. He's, an, he's a great competitor. He may lose the match. He may have a bad day on his forehand, but he's going to compete to the absolute last point, and he's going to give you know, Sasha a good match, but he's a favorite for the reason. Minus 600. He's a big, big favorite. He got through a 7-6 in the fifth a match where he probably didn't maybe play as well as he could have. So he's going to be feeling pretty good. feel like he, a match he probably could have lost. Absolutely. Last round against Klein. So maybe that little bit of that pressure is off of Sasha. So he might play very, very well today on Rod Lever. Right. Look, we'll see. Looking forward to it. A lot on the line for the American teenager, Alex Mickelson. What's trending on social media? Well, Jenny Brady made the AO final three years ago. Since then, injuries have kept her off tour for more than two years, she returned last summer, made the third round of the U.S. Open. Now another setback. She needs surgery on her knee. Will be out for a while. The good news, she is enrolling back at UCLA. Will be an assistant coach for the women's team this spring. What was your reaction, Lindsay, when you saw this story? Yeah, my heart was breaking for her. It was just a couple of years ago where she made that dream run all the way to the final here. So many injuries the last couple of years. So many surgeries. We were so happy to see her back playing last summer. She played so well at the U.S. Open. But this is another big surgery. She's going to be out at least for a year. She hopes to come back in 2025. It's good to see that she's looking at other things that keep her occupied. But really tough when you're in the prime of your career and you really started your ascent to the top to have it all taken away. I think we forget, too. We identify her, as, as we should, as Australian Open finalist. She also ooh, she was a U.S. Open semifinalist. I oh, mean, yeah. she has a lot of game. This was not one one-hit wonder. I think in these cases, you just hope that the player gets those years on the back end, and maybe whether it's Vitalina, whether it's a maternity leave, or whether it's injury, or whether it's a mental health break, we are seeing that players come back fresher, so maybe she gets some of this time deferred. Yeah, it's tough to see for, for Jim Brady. Excuse me, Jim. And uh, so, yeah, but she's already been through this before once. They go through it again. Yeah. It's extremely tough, so we'll see. One thing I like about what college tennis has changed in recent years is, is that if you're a scholarship player and you leave to turn pro, you can still come back and finish up and they pay for it. So that's like a really nice insurance policy for athletes in an uncertain world where one injury can take you out, as we've seen multiple injuries, unfortunately, getting gin. That's a nice thing for, for kids to have as an option when they come and turn pro early. 
They can always fall back on that insurance policy, go get their degree, and then go into the real world if they need to. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, we mentioned earlier in the in TC Live, uh, the Bruins have Bianca Fernandez coming in, oh, the, uh, the younger Layla. sister of Layla Fernandez. They also have the returning NCAA singles champion in Tian Fang Gren. So now they have the best assistant coach in Jenny Brady. Looking forward to that. Good for her. Good for UCLA as well. We've got our match previews. We've got our hot shot of the day. So much more to get to as we lead you up to first ball here on TC Live. Surfing our way back onto TC Live at the Australian Open. Almost time for first ball on day seven. Cue the tunes. Worth on Saturday. of the day. Shazam that, John Isner. Uh, the breakthrough play on the women's side is a 16-year-old, as I see it. One of the revelations on the men's side is a 35-year-old Adrian Manorino. We cannot get enough of this guy. Uh, keep in mind, of those 35 years, 11 hours and 46 minutes of that duration have been spent on court at this tournament. That's a lot of time spent on court. Plays Novak Djokovic next. How much time is that, John Isner? Roger Federer won Wimbledon. We will grant you different different surface, uh, plays a little faster. Um, Roger Federer took less time to win an entire major seven years ago than Adrian Manorino has uh, logged through three matches. The good news for Manorino, still at it, still hoping to build on that career high ranking. The less good news is uh, there's a guy named Djokovic who awaits him. Ollie Tennis bringing the fat. I mean, that's a great a stat. Yeah, yeah. That's I'll so good. That's a good one, yeah. Uh, hot shot of the day. Speaking of the Frenchman, Adrian Manorino, isn't it? Yeah, this was a oh, – watch this point, and I didn't realize how big of a point it was. It's to get back on serve in the third set, and he carves this thing just perfectly, opens up the racket face, and does that on break point to make it 3-2. Absolutely clutch play. Just goes to show how comfortable he is right now. He's obviously extremely confident. You cannot pull that shot off unless you're very too. confident. He just turned his head. I got that. And he did that with his racket strung at 20 pounds. Very, very impressive. It's like Steph Curry just shooting the ball and then walking back. Jim, what'd you think? Yeah, that, the John hit on the, the biggest point for me, which is this guy's racket is strung so loosely at 20 pounds. It's not really a tennis racket. It's really more like a butterfly net. He just catches this on his racket, and somehow it does that. I mean, he is a magician, and it's, it's magical to watch someone be at their peak at an age when most of us were playing senior tennis. This is ridiculous. The mess, and uh, he is really impressive. He's kind of your every man. Right? You see him, you're like, ah, it looks like I could do that. But guess what, folks? You can't. He is special and he's very unique. Is it the YMCA or, or is it Arthur Esch or is it Rod Laver or this guy? Just incredible stuff. Featured matches, third round, day seven. Emma Navarro in action against the qualifier. Diana Yastremska, Tommy Paul, Carlos Alcaraz. Iga Sviantik, will she be tested today? And how about Alex Mickelson against Alexander Zverev? We've talked about that one. So let's preview some of the best matches here, starting on the women's side. Yelena Ostapenko against the two-time champ Victoria Azarenka. Oof. Azarenka 3-0 head-to-head in this one. Tennis yep. Express head-to-head. But Ostapenko has been balling, Linz. Yeah, but it was just a few weeks ago, Steve, where they played. They did. Ostapenko wasn't happy. No, Azarenka <laughs> can absorb pace better than anybody out on tour. That's one of the things she did so well when she was 
was at the top of the game, and Ostapenko is going to come at her time and time again. How consistent can Azarenka be? One of the hiccups in Azarenka's game these last couple of years has been the second serve. A lot of double faults, toss gets away from her. She has to serve well because Ostapenko will be ready to rip returns if those serves are just getting bunted in. But Azarenka also knows how to spread the court. She uses angles, one of the reasons why she's been so dominant in this head-to-head. So... I think I gotta, you got to lean Azarenka here. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a lot of data points. Those are close matches. I don't know what that was, a divining rod. Um, both of these players really can play well in spurts, and then they can both yep. go off the boil. Keep in mind, too, Ostapenko never beat Azarenka, but has never lost to Iga, who would yep. await her. Yep. A lot depends on what happens draw. in this draw. Like, yep. and Iga, for sure, is, is, has an eye on some of these matches. Yep. Alcaraz, excuse me, Azarenka has been so good at going for her 50th win at, mm. at the Australian Open, but uh, there, there's a little good tension match. in, yeah, in yeah, there. From, their from their that last match. Ostapenko was like, you're never umpiring another one of my matches. Double, and by the way, bounce. she was wrong. It was not a double bounce. Uh, Jim, we, we got a good one coming up. Carlos Alcaraz, Jerry Shang. First time ever that Alcaraz is the older player in that matchup. Uh, is that getting his head a little bit? Yeah. No, I talked to Carlos yesterday in the hallway. He was excited about it. He, he's seen Jerry play. Uh, he, he knows that he's talented, that he's a ball striker with offensive capability, keeping an eye on the youth movement, coming up below him. I mean, Carlos has his eyes everywhere. But I think tennis, especially the ATP, has our eyes on Jerry Shang because if we can have a, a top-ranked Chinese male player in the game for a decade and that's look, that looks like what we're going to have with him, that's going to bode well for the business of tennis. And this is another little interesting tidbit. I was looking at the ATP website, which does a great job interviewing their young players and promoting them. Jerry actually dropped weight in the offseason. He lost 10 pounds. Most players when they're 18 are trying to add muscle. He wanted to add foot speed, and he says he's feeling a lot lighter and a lot quicker on his feet. So he's someone to watch. He's fun. His name is Sheng Jung Chung. But he wants to be called Jerry because we, we obviously can't say that very well. So he's the one to watch. And uh, <laughs> you know, usually we're looking at Carlos, but I'm going to be watching Jerry very closely in this one. Yeah. I'm just going to call him Jerry. Thank you, Jim, <laughs> for that. But this is a great opportunity for him to really introduce himself to the tennis world. And it's, he's going to be on a big stage, obviously, against Carlos Alcaraz, the game's arguably most exciting player. Two young players. Carlos, as you mentioned, finally the older player on the court. Um, he's going to be the prohibitive favorite, no doubt. But Jerry can certainly play, and he's playing well right now. Yeah, he has a lot of confidence, played well in Hong Kong to open up this season. And he's trained here in the United States since he was very, very young. He's a great player, very talented. It's about trying to make that transition, right, from being an excellent junior to then transitioning to the pros. Some players and some young players do it pretty easily. He is one of them, and that's what tells you he's special. Jim mentioned the the weight loss. This is a guy who's listed at 162 pounds, so this is not like the lineman who needs 10 pounds to uh, get from 300 to 290. I think this is interesting for Alcaraz. Again, started off this tournament against Richard Gasquet, deep into his 30s. I mean, this is a completely different look for Alcaraz, and Jerry Chang moves very well, and I think that Carlos will rise to the occasion. We, we joke about this, you know, oh, he's finally playing a guy. Yep. This is 201st match. That's a long time play. It tells you a lot about Carlo Alcaraz's success at this precocious age when it takes yeah. him more than 200 matches to finally get a junior. F- finally, some teenagers coming up yeah. behind him. Now, now, Carlo's the old guy at 20. Yeah. You know. Still Gen Z, though. Okay. I'll, you'll not give me that breakdown alpha, later. Not Gen Alpha. <laughs> yeah.
Uh, it's been awesome having you. I, here, yeah. John. Hey, thank, thank you, you guys. I really appreciate well it. Done. You guys were awesome. Good debut. Jim, thank you. Hey, hey John, John, great job. And go Gators. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome back. Anytime. Anytime. You, you are a part of the Tennis Channel family for life now. And uh, listen, dreams do come true. We, we bring it full circle. You were like, you foreshadowed it. Some, you absolutely did. We might do some broadcasting. And then here is John Isner on TC Live. We will be back with you tomorrow at 5 o'clock Eastern. Brett and Paul have you covered the Encore coverage, 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. on Saturday. For the whole crew, thanks so much for joining us on TC Live today. Enjoy Day 7 Down Under.